to Robin and Joa Save the World, one book at a time. A spoiler-free podcast sponsored by the good folks at Koros Books. That's Koros with a Q. Hello, everyone. I'm Joa. And I'm Robin. This week on the Robin and Joa podcast, we will be discussing Ace of Spades, a fascinating book by the wonderful author Farida Abike Iamide. Ooh, Joa, what did you think? I remember you tweeting about uh, the the genre, and um, and I totally agree. I'm like, it, I didn't know that it was categorized as romance. Yeah. Uh, but this is definitely, to me, it read more like a, a thriller, like like you said on that tweet. Uh, and just because the just the action, the mystery in it, and everything, it was it was crazy. It just it literally not to sound cheesy, it kept me at the edge of my seat, basically, especially towards the end of it. Oh my god, I can't believe the reporter was in on it too. It, it's just it's crazy. Spoiler free, Joa. Spoiler free. Spoiler free. Okay, spoiler free. <laughs> I I love this book. I I don't know. Maybe I'm a little sappy in my old age. That is possible. But <laughs> I saw this as a bit of a fairy tale. Did you see it as a fairy tale at all? No. Why? Oh, no. Okay. So think of like Cinderella, okay? Mm-hmm. And so Cinderella is... She's having a hard time with the evil stepmother and the evil stepsisters. She's having a hard life. Devon, our character Devon, okay? And then things come to a head. She runs away. Glass slipper business, all that, right? That's uh, sort of aces, if you will, that part of it. And then the ending is like getting the prince, which we all know a modern woman doesn't need a prince, boys and girls. We all know. But in this case, just go with me. Uh, The ending, I'll just say it. There's a good ending. And so that's kind of resolution. So I saw it a bit as a fairy tale. And I don't mean that to take away from the book or take away of the reality, because this is a book based in reality. Oh, Joa, we got to talk about the reviews for this book. Oh, I didn't. Okay. I didn't see the reviews. But first, what'd you think about the fairy tale? You don't think it's a fairy tale. You said No, that. no. So I don't, I don't see it like that. I see, okay. Um, and then I made a comment in the previous episode. And if you haven't listened, listen in, please. Um, and that is that it's, it was tough. Like, you know, professor told me a get that one character, you know, that one protagonist um, character, main character worked out in a story before you, you do two or three, right? Because it's, it's tough. And that's what I explained. It, it's, mm. it's tough to write more than one main character into a story, right? And um, when I, because then the reader gets confused, who am I rooting for? You know, who is the protagonist and so forth. And, and when I started listening to this book, I was like, oh my God, she got it. You know, she did it. She did more than one main character, made it cohesive, made me root for for both of them. Although I, I gravitated more towards Devon and in his story more than um, Chiomaka, and but towards towards the end, and I felt more empathy towards Chiomaka because you know she she opened up more. You know, as as her and Devon were going through through the the book obstacles, right? 
in there. And um, but she made that happen. She made two main characters, made me love them and hate them. Chiomaka mostly because you know I felt she was a bit of a mean girl at first, and then made me care about what happened to both of them at the end. And and I love it that it was a happy ending at the end as well. Um, but I just wanted to say that. So it's not impossible. And uh, this author proves it that you can do it and you can do it well. So kudos for her. Yeah, there was a good bit of nuance in the characters too, which I appreciated. So Devon, of course, we love Devon because we meet him first. He's the first main character we're introduced to. And in his POV, he's economically disadvantaged. He's living at home with a single mom. He's sleeping in a bed with his two younger brothers. Like we feel for Devon and it's set up that way. But as the story unfolds, and Chiamaka is set kind of in counterpoint. She her she comes from a family with money and privilege, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that these two characters meet is that they're at the same prestigious prep school, right? And Devon is a scholarship student, and she's there because her family is rich, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they are the only two black kids at this school, which is interesting. And the story unfolds for there. But as the story unfolds, we learn a lot about Chiamaka, her family, what she wants, how fragile she is. Right, Joa? Didn't you feel she was very fragile? Yes, she was very fragile. And uh, something in there uh, that she said towards the end, and that's when I started connecting with this character. uh, She said, "I I can take the kinks out of my hair, but I cannot take the kinks out of the system. And I was driving home when I listened to this and it it was a green light, but it kind of, I hesitated in in continuing to drive because it just, it touched me, you know, it touched me because I remember making a decision somewhere in my life, no longer, you know, not to straighten my hair any longer, you know, just to embrace, you know, that side of me Um, because I was raised to like a, pretty hair is straight hair, right? Um, mm. We call it pelo malo in the Dominican yes. Republic. You know, curly, kinky hair is pelo malo, bad hair. Um, and I had to learn to love that uh, about myself growing up. And, and that touched me. And that's when I started connecting with Chiomaka. And, and that was towards the end because I, I really saw her, like I said before, as, as a mean girl um, and things of that nature. But I do want to point out that the great thing about how this story uh, was written by this amazing author is how she had, like you said, a counterpoint character, right? Um, because it's like the opposite of the other, but they had one thing in common and that was their race, that both of them were black in a sea of white students. And at the end of the day, because of the way that the system is made, it didn't matter that Chiomaka had all that money, you know, because of their race and the color of their, of their skin, they were in the same level when they were at that. Yes. And, yes. And, that, and that's what I saw. And, and I, and I love that writer for that because it like, it just paints exactly what the system is. You know, uh, I just, I love it. I can't say enough things about it. Now in the reviews, which I mentioned briefly earlier, some folks felt Joa that it was unrealistic that the whole school <laughs> would work together against them. But I feel this needs to be addressed. I mean, we even, this is so well acknowledged, especially in America, that it has a 
phrase, you know, uh, systemic racism is an expression has meaning for a reason because it exists. Systemic is the key part there. Systemic racism. So at the school, they both attended the very privileged prep school. Um, there was systemic racism at work. And some people in the reviews felt that was unbelievable, which was interesting. Well, okay. So I can, I can uh, counterpoint that. So my son has been in private school whenever we are in the United States. So I'm in the military. So whenever we are overseas, he goes to the schools inside a base over there. But whenever we are here in the States, he has been going to private school. And that was my personal choice because uh, some of the, uh, the the school systems, right, and, and the quality of teaching, I, I didn't think it was up to par or could challenge him into learning more. So I made that decision. Uh, and But I can attest that especially when we were in Wisconsin and he went to that private school there, he was just one of a few minority students. You know, um, they, they weren't many, you know, whenever I would walk into the school, it was mostly, you know, white kids there, white Caucasian kids. I, that, I could count in one hand um, the number of black kids there. God, Latino kids, I don't think, I, I didn't see any. Um, so yeah, so I, I can attest to that. And he went to private school here in El Paso, but El Paso is mostly Latino. So of course there are a lot of minorities in the school and, um, and, and some kids from Mexico come across as well to go to that school. So that way they can get a, a better education. So in El Paso is the only time that I've seen that where it's mostly minorities as opposed to white, but everywhere else that he has gone to school has not been like that. Exactly. So it's very believable that yeah. the whole school would work together. Yeah. I had no trouble with that whatsoever. And without giving too much away, trying to little dance carefully around spoilers, <laughs> spoilers, uh, this book has a strong message and our wonderful author doesn't play games with it. Right from the dedication. Oh, Joa, the dedication. Yeah. Oh, I listened to it. It was so dedication. nice. Dedication. This, I just love this so much. This is the very first thing you read when you open up the Ace of Spades. For all the black kids drowning in the sunken place. Yeah. Desperately trying to claw their way out. This book is for you. <gasps> I get oh. you. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. I want to meet her. I want to know her. I want to kiss her. Uh, not in a weird way. <laughs> okay. That sounded weird. <laughs> Take that back. Just on the cheek. No, like a mother. No, I'm a mother. I'm old. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so, <laughs> but did you know this was published when she was barely 20? Frida Abiyamide. She is, she lives in South London, or she grew up in South London, but she's of Nigerian descent. Friends, the Nigerian writers are in force. I mean, really. So we have Chimamanda and Gotse Adichie, right? We have the breakout star Oinkin Braithwaite, who wrote, of course, My Sister the Serial Killer. What? Um, I need to read that one. <gasps> I love the title already. Okay, we should read that together. Yes. I adore, adore that book. 
I adore that book. And if anybody hasn't read it because they were afraid it would be gory, I am the biggest baby on earth. (laughs) (laughs) And I, it's not too gory for me and it's not too scary for me. It is not horror. Just so you know, I know the title sort of seems like it could be the horror genre, but it's not. And you're safe and don't worry. I loved it. I really, (laughs) really loved it. It's a shorter book too. It's a quick read, but it's really enjoyable. And God, I hope Oink and Braithwaite will write a million books because I just love her. Also, Helen Oyeyemi was born in Nigeria, raised in Britain as well. She's currently living in Prague. She wrote Boy Snowbird, Boy, comma, snow, comma, bird. Interesting title for a fascinating book. I really love that book. Oh, there's a book you don't see coming. She also wrote Gingerbread and lots of plays and short stories. She's very prolific and just a beautiful author. This whole literary tradition, and I didn't mention the books of Chimamanda and Gozi Adichie because I sort of assume everyone is familiar with Americana, Purple Hibiscus, and Half of a Yellow Sun. She's very acclaimed. Um, and she's really the first Nigerian author that was on my, that I became aware of. But this whole literary tradition coming out of Nigeria, my God, it's so impressive. Yes, I love it. I love it too. Like, really, I love it. It's become one of those things where, um, you know how you see a new book title, you hear something about it, maybe you're not sure. I look at the author. Oh, Nigeria, let's go. In the yeah. bag, in the bag, <laughs> in the basket. Here we go. We're going. So, Joa, mm-hmm. question. Yes. Did this book conform to three-act structure? Discuss. <laughs> There was a beginning, a middle, and an end, and an epilogue at the end to uh, have the happy ending in there. Yes, it did. I think this book spent the job. <laughs> Thank you for that, Joa. <laughs> yes. <laughs> did it? Yes, it did. We're good. I think they spent the just right amount the just right amount of time to the right amount of time on the beginning, developing the story, making me care setting the scene because of course the setting is terribly important here. Yes. They spent the right amount of time in the middle, really making me clawing at me, really making me feel so bad for Chimaka, making me understand Devon and the fact that all he had were bad choices. Like all he had were bad choices. I thought that was wonderfully done. Uh, The fact too, that we have LGBTQ plus characters who are portrayed in reality. Yes. I liked, see, I, I, you know, you watch Schitt's Creek, right? I love Schitt's Creek. I adore Schitt's Creek. And it's so refreshing to see a, a place where there is no homophobia. Love that. Love that. But also, I think it's important to see stories that reflect our reality as well. Both are good. Neither is better. And I, I like that we get to see the challenges he faces, the internal struggle, the pain about his sexuality in the world, living in the real world, how people use that against him, some people, how some people are able to just see beyond that. I thought that was really well portrayed. I really respected her sensitivity in the way that she handled that, our author, our wonderful author. (laughs) I I thought so too. So one thing that um, I'm quoting this book a lot, and this is very rare, folks. I mean, that... That means that is your, this book made an impression on me. 
So there was another line in there from um, in the book when when Devon was outed right to the school, and um, and then the other students were like, "Well, you know, it's like I forgot the year 2018, 20, 2019, You know, it's it's okay to be gay, but um, then we we have the author showing how how it's it's not okay because that's not that's not what Devon experiences, right? And then uh, we see his experiences, right, of, of getting beat up, of, of his friends who are gay getting beat up as well, you know, just because of that. And just the whole fact of being outed and, and being laughed at because of that, it's, it's also another aggression towards his humanity and who he is. And, um, and I like that. I like how that is because we can continue to say, oh, it's 2021 going into 2022 and we're so progressive and so forth, but we still have those experiences, you know, out there um, for the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and it's still there, just like racism is still there and all the other isms are still there. But we have to continue to fight that. And how we do that is by acknowledging it. And I feel like that's what the author did with this book. She's acknowledging those issues. So that way we can be aware of it and know how to stop it. Because you can't stop something if you're not aware of it. Absolutely. And in some ways, she's helping provide a language to those who might not have it where they can talk about it and feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah. 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 Totally agree. Hey, Joa, a little bird, tweet, 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 came and told me, tweet, 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 that you have something spectacular going on in your own Joa world. What's up in Joa world? Is Joa publishing something in the near future? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do tell. Oh, okay. So I have... Um two short stories coming out in uh, an anthology with several other writers that we got together. We found each other on Instagram, kind of like how you, you and I um, found each other on Instagram. Instagram is like a big connection for me. I love it. Uh, so yeah, so it's um, a few writers uh, that we, we put in poems and short stories. So I have two short stories in there. One title, I love you so much. And the other one, the baptism. And they deal with, like I said, whenever I write, I write about families and then the intricacies of family members and, and then just the emotions that go in it. So I Love You So Much is about a couple that um, has to work through uh, kind of mental health issues and, and things of that nature. And then the other one, the baptism, is <laughs> about a, a college kid that has to do with the, the hypocrisy in the Latino community when it comes to being very religious, but but still like wanting somebody to, you know, go get their situation fixed if they're they they're having a child out of wedlock, you know, and then I, I wanted to explore that hypocrisy in that story. Um, so yeah, so those are the two stories I have in there. Okay, that's fascinating. <laughs> Where can I find this? Is this going to be in your link tree in your bio? I hope yes. you're going to link it. Oh, yeah. So see, we can just go to on Instagram, have a cup of Johanny, which is the cutest Instagram name ever, by the way, and have a cup of Johanny and in her link tree, we'll be able to find a link to that. Okay, good. And on the show's Instagram, I bet we'll have it too. <laughs> just <Yeah. a> <laughs> Excellent. And what do you have going on? 
Ooh, well, Joa, I've been trying. I've been trying not to talk about this too much. I didn't want to burden you with this, Joa, but oh, come on, lay it on me. I'm trying, <laughs> trying, trying to swim against the stream. No, <laughs> it's more like trying to climb a tree without using your arms or your feet. That oh. seems like a really good analogy. And I'm trying to, this is all way too dramatic for what I'm trying to do. I'm just trying to find agents to query. So my, what I thought was a murder mystery. Oh, Joa, listen, come to find out I know nothing about genre. <gasps> boop, 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 boop. We should have led with that, really. Oh. Robin knows nothing about genre. That's a fact. I thought I wrote a murder mystery, and I was pretty convinced. And my beta readers are not convinced. And in my earlier round of betas, it was suggested to me that I had written a psychological suspense novel. <gasps> but I wasn't comfortable enough like knowing what that meant you know so i thought well somebody somebody dies and there's a murder it's a mystery we have to figure out so it's a murder mystery right simple right no <laughs> it turns out i wrote a psychological suspense <laughs> and i wasn't trying to but that's fine actually it's good that i learned that now before i start querying agents so now i'm gonna what that means is i'm going to for our listeners who may not be familiar i'm gonna send letters well you know email to uh, literary agents and say hey what do you think about what do you think about my little book want to read more with a few pages and uh, we'll see what we get uh, yeah, I have not enjoyed the process of trying to find agents and I find it to be a little complicated for me, but you know, I, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying that, um, uh, yeah, for people with brain damage, this could be challenging. <laughs> oh, I'm rooting for you, Robin. Thank you. I really like my story. I know everybody says that, but I really like my story because murder mystery Although I'm in an adjacent genre, it's still true of psychological suspense a lot of times too, that they tend to be um, kind of narrower kind of stories. And my story is diverse and inclusive. I have a transgender character who is neither the victim nor the villain. Hey, there's something. And, and it explores, also it explores family relationships, but it Ooh. also explores writers and a book club of all published authors, which I think is just the most fun thing ever. Like basically you and I are a book club of published <laughs> authors, Joa. It's the dream of my life. I know. You're talking about us. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I thought it was a cute idea when you uh, said it to me. And yeah, I think yeah. it's gonna do well. It's, I love it very much. I love it with my whole heart and soul, which means, you know, I'm not, I'm terribly biased, but anyway. <laughs> no, but I feel, I feel like you have to love it first. If, if you're writing it, you should love what you're writing. You know, mm. if not, you know, I mean, that's, that's a red flag. You should love it and you love it. So that's good. I do. I really, really do. I love it very, very much. So that's what I'm up to. And in the next episode, Joa, we will be talking about 5,000 things we want to see in books. What do we want to see in books that we haven't been seeing in the books we've been reading? What are we hungry for? We'll find out 5, in the next episode. See you there. <laughs> Bye.